What is up, everyone? Welcome to episode five of the Process Podcast. I'm Charlie Witkowski, my tag team partner, as per usual, Nick Veronica. Nick, how you doing, buddy? Charlie, I'm doing good, and you know what? I haven't been checked by any ghosts lately. Have you been checked by any ghosts lately? Just kind of <laughs> snuck up on you and threw you into the boards? No, but I felt like I was today. I skated for the first time today in probably uh, over a year, um, and just got my skate sharpened, so I was just kind of a mess out there. I, I kind of looked like I was seeing ghosts, or, or I felt like there were some ghosts rubbing me up against the boards there. Jeez, well, if you haven't seen the video, Rasmus versus the line, and at the end of the Sabres game on, this would have been Thursday, March 5th, um, there's a video going all over Twitter. We could post it in the, in the description here. He turns around, like starts to back up on a play coming the other way, and just smashes into the boards. His stick goes flying. It's like, and the, and the guy who posted the video said, I think he just got checked by a ghost. And it's like, I watched this video probably like 10 times consecutively and just laughed even harder Every single time. It just, like, you saw the video, like, right when it happened, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it was a, first of all, I, I think I sent it to you, like, right when I got it. And uh, and you, you said it best, so I'm not going to take your credit. I'll, I'm going to give you the credit on it. Um, you said it best that it perfectly sums up the Sabres season and the Sabres playoff drought and everything all in one. <laughs> so I was thinking this morning, thinking about it again, and I was like, if you had a guy in a coma who just woke up for the last decade or, or whatever, and he's like, you know, how, how did the Sabres do? I think I would just show him that video and just be like, and just like start nodding sadly and be like, mm, like, and he would just kind of look at me confused. He'd be like, is it, like, it was bad. And then that would just be it. We wouldn't have to talk about anything. We wouldn't talk about... Uh, the Turdberger jerseys, the drought, the tank, like we wouldn't talk about any of that. We just show them that video and just say like, man, it was bad. You don't want to know. We're going to move on. No, I, I'm, I know I, I unfortunately didn't see it live. Uh, so I had to catch it, catch that part on Twitter. Um, and I did watch the game on a condensed version on, uh, on the NHL TV app, but, um, they didn't put that in there. That seemed like the highlight. No, you know, I, I it, it must have been a highlight that they missed. <laughs> All right, but God, it, it was it, that was bad and embarrassing, and just like I said, and, and like you said, a perfect representation of what we've done and what we've had to witness as fans uh, through the drought years. Um, but it it is it, it is up on our Twitter. I posted it to our Twitter page at uh, the underscore process pod on Twitter. I also posted it on my personal page at Chawit68, C-H-A-W-I-T-6-8. Um, so if you haven't seen it, go on one of those two and, and definitely check it out. Uh, uh, it was posted last night, so that was, what, the 5th? Yeah, so go back to March 5th on the Twitter page, and, and it should be up there. So. All right, so we're going to talk Sabres today. We're going to talk about where they are in the standings, what it, it looks like with another season missing the playoffs, and where they go from here. But before that, quick apology to you guys, our loyal, dedicated listeners who are mostly related to us. Uh, we haven't had an episode for a while. Charlie was sick for a little bit. I was sick for a little bit. Then we had one recorded that was going to be really good, and some audio issues prevented that from getting out to you guys. But we are back. We're sorry about that. We got more coming. Yeah, we, we, we're hopefully not going to keep you guys hanging on this long again. So, uh, you know, we appreciate you guys all tuning in again and giving us a, another chance here. We haven't gone away. 
so don't worry we're 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 back and we'll we're going to be back every week between now and hopefully a long time from now <laughs> so it's now march 6th the sabers are they're still mathematically alive but they're going to miss the playoffs right charlie i mean i don't see any way that they make the playoffs at this point um they've lost 5 in a row uh the eichel line with him reinhardt and and uh Olsen is not producing. I don't think they've produced in the last six games um, a point or anything. So, um, yeah, so, something's got to change. And uh, I will say with, with, with that being said, I think all you Skinner, Eichel line fans uh, might finally get your wish at this point of the season. A little late, but we'll see if, uh, uh, you know, if the keyboard GMs out there are, are right. Hey, I'd support that. Skinner had a great year with Eichel. I feel like you could put anybody with Eichel. He's so talented. He'll get he'll get you the puck. But Skinner, it worked. I don't know why you would mess with that. Yeah, I don't know what the uh, you know. I've said it before. I like Ralph Kruger. I think he's a good coach. Um, I kind of understand uh, a little bit of why you why you move Skinner off that line and you move him in onto the second line. But from what I've seen lately, he's been playing on the third line. Um, you know, he, he, I don't think he's losing any minutes down on that third line. I think he's getting about the same as what he was up on the uh, on the second line. But uh, they, they moved him down again, and, and I don't know if the coaching staff just doesn't feel like he is as good as what that, that, that paycheck that he is receiving is or, uh, or what, but something's got to happen there. Skinner threw 57 games. He has 14 goals and 8 assists, and that's coming off a 40-goal season where it looked like he was a great steal to get him from Carolina. And this year has been a major drop-off. And we should point out, last year he had a career-high 14.9% shooting percentage. This year he's back down to 8%. He just doesn't look like a threatening goal scorer to me, though. No, and I think that's become obvious. I mean, he did have... A goal against Arizona and a goal against Vegas, and I thought maybe he would turn that around pretty quick. And then, you know, obviously nothing against Winnipeg and nothing against Pittsburgh last night. So um, he's just, uh, I think some of that is on the paycheck that he's receiving. I think he's feels like he needs to play up to that, that paycheck level, and, and I think maybe it's a little bit of a, uh, um, I, I feel like he needs to play up to that paycheck level. And I think... Um, you know he's holding that over his head and he's he's carrying that weight on his shoulders. Uh, I think next season we'll see a totally different Jeff Skinner. I think that um, the Jeff Skinner that we've seen this year is not going to be the same Jeff Skinner that we see for for the next few years coming. Um, he he he's too good of a player, and I think if this coaching staff isn't willing to change something, then I think at that point we kind of see a new coaching staff come in. But uh, someone's got to give Skinner a break here and and and. Let him get a year under his belt with this big contract. It's his first contract of this size. Um, so it's going to carry a lot of weight on him, and uh, I think he'll be okay. All right, and you mentioned a possible coaching change even. Like, that would be – and we're going to talk more about the future toward the end of the podcast here. But that would be – I mean, Eichel's – that would be his fourth coach already. Like, he's had Biosma, Housley, Kruger, and a new guy. Like, that would be – just a lot of turnover for this franchise. But anyway, let's zoom out a little bit. So right now the Sabres have played 67 games. They have 66 points. They are 25th in the NHL right now. They're 12 points out of a playoff spot. And they are 8 points above the 
30th spot out of 31 teams because Detroit is not even playing anything resembling <laughs> NHL hockey this year. So, the Except when Sabre, they play the Sabres. Right. That is true. And it's funny that the Sabres have made those games competitive even. That's another story. Um, so talk, talk to me here. Jason Botterell promised meaningful games in March. And I suppose you could look at that and say, well, Charlie... Right now, the Sabres have 6.5% lottery odds. If they could jump up to 13.5% at the, at the 30th place, that might be meaningful in some way, but I don't think that's what Botterill had in mind. No, I don't think so. Um, I think going into this season, you know, especially with the winning streak they went on last year, and don't get me wrong, I think that winning streak last year, we saw a lot of uh, um, good and bad in that streak. You know, It's not like they were blowing teams away. Uh, this year when they went on their winning streak and when they were in first place in the league, um, I felt a little bit more confident. I felt like it, things were going to be a little bit different with this team at that point. And I thought, you know, Bottle was right. They, they could play some meaningful games um, in March. And unfortunately, whatever whatever it is with this team, it seems like, I don't know if it's lack of veteran leadership, lack of veterans in general, whatever it might be, um, something seems to happen to them Early on, you know, in the season, they start pretty good. You know, they look pretty good through Christmas, and then right after, they just fall off and and look like a totally different team. And that's what we're seeing again this year. It's probably a lot of those factors combined. They have struggled to get depth scoring. They've struggled with goaltending. They've definitely had a lack of veteran leadership. So let's hit the deadline real quick. So they acquired Wayne Simmons from New Jersey, and they acquired Dominic Cahoon from Pittsburgh. And after that, Botterill says, quote, We've talked a lot about playing meaningful games in the month of March. I think with some of the moves we made today, we're hopefully setting our team up to to better accept that challenge. Uh, do Wayne Simmons and Dominic Cahoon move the needle for you? you no, know, I was excited about both of those. Um, Wayne Simmons because he brings that veteran leadership and and playoff experience that I think they needed. Um, and he's and he's a gritty player, man. I think his first game out, you saw him finishing a lot of checks which we haven't seen all year, which is great to see. Um, whatever happens with Simmons long-term, you know, it's kind of up to this GM or, or, or the next GM, but we'll get into that side of things later. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I, I do like Wayne Simmons. For, as far as Dominic Cahoon goes, um, I'm not against him. You know, I do like Dominic Cahoon. I think he's another young piece that you can add to this team. Um, he's a great number two uh, you know, second line winger for this team, and I think he's going to produce. He's produced in Chicago last year. He was producing this year in Pittsburgh, and um, you know, and and he's produced a little bit in Buffalo already. I think he's got three points through his five games uh, in Buffalo, so or four games in Buffalo. So he's he's moving it a little bit, and he's 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 able to put the puck on net, and you know, been able to score a couple goals and get a couple assists, and um. I'm obviously more excited about him than Wayne Simmons. Uh, but we'll see what happens. It's going to be an interesting offseason to see if they bring Simmons back. But let's face it, they need some kind of veterans on this team. I, I believe they have, what, Nick, three guys four, or four guys now over the age of 30? Yeah, we had talked about that before we, we started recording. I think they had, they had one guy who they traded, but it's it's a real dearth of veteran veteran presence on this team and you sort of you hope Jack Eichel is going to 
be a good captain, a good leader for the entire length of his contract. But you, uh, it would be great if there was also just an older guy in the room to kind of take some of that burden off of him and just settle everybody down and just show guys, hey, I've been here before. I've been through deep playoff runs. You know, A, keep going, and B, here's what to do. Follow my example. So I think I liked... I like I like the, the deadline additions for different reasons. So Simmons, I liked him for more of a veteran presence than a goal scorer. He's thirty one, mm-hmm. but he's he's only got um, I'm sorry, he's only got eight goals this season. Like he's not he's not what he used to be. Somebody somebody mentioned to me at the, at the deadline. Yeah, he's a power forward, power goal scorer who can't score goals anymore. I say he sounds like a saver already. Like he fits <laughs> in, but he, he's got he's got the veteran presence. He finishes his checks like. He's a good addition to the room. Probably not a top six forward by any stretch anymore, but he's he's good presence. And then Cahoon, like you said, he's 24, younger guy, got some promise. Um, he scored 37 points with Chicago in 2018-19. He had 30, uh, 30 this season combined. Now he's got a goal and two assists in four games of Buffalo. Yeah, I like I like the prospect of him more. But um, let's talk about like secondary scoring like the Sabres for years have had this problem with they have some star players some skills some top line guys and then after that it's like a bunch of bottom nine forwards just trying to piece together and hoping someone breaks out into the second line yeah I mean it's been another issue again this year there's no been very little secondary scoring on this team right Nick um I think for most of the year you know Eichel Reinhardt Olsen kind of led the way You've gotten little sprinkles here and there, a little more than last year, but I, I think Dominic Cahoon's going to help um, uh, with that secondary scoring going into next season. You know, the one thing that I liked about bringing him in is, is you're getting a young player who still has another year left in his contract after the, after this year, so you don't have to worry about trying to re-sign him at the end of the season. Um, so, so you can give him the rest of this year to kind of grow into your system, let him gel with the guys on the team, and then um, allow him uh, next year to come in and, and see what he can do in a contract year. And at that point, if we can re-sign him, go, go out and, and, and go re-sign him. I think he's you know, going to help provide that secondary scoring that the Sabres have needed. But now they need to go and fill out that third and fourth line and get a little bit of help there. Johan Larson supplied a little bit this year. You know, I'm fine with bringing him back again and... You know, using him as a, a fourth line guy, um, but the rest of that, you know, fourth line can go. You know, I like like Wayne Simmons on, down on that line as well, but again, he's not going to provide that secondary scoring that you need. Yeah, I feel like how many years in a row that we've been talking about, like, yeah, I like this guy. He could be a third, fourth liner for me. It's like when the Sabres were rolling, and you just just to think back on, on it, like Thomas Vanek and, and was on that third line, and they destroyed teams. Like you, like good teams in this league have three and even four lines that they can roll regularly and will beat up on opponents and put the puck in the net. The Sabres have not had that at all. And I think um, something we can talk about that is who's who's their second line center? Like, can they find a guy for that role? Do they need to go to free agency? Is it, you know, could it be Sam Reinhardt still? What are your thoughts on that? I don't think Reinhardt's a center, man. I think he's shown that he is a winger and that he needs to stay on the wing. He's not going to be a center. Um and he needs to just stay on the wing, and I think that that's it. Uh, there's no other reason to to think that he's going to go back and be a center again. Uh, with that said, I don't think Johansson uh, is that second line center either, and I don't think Dylan Cousins is going to step in and be that second line center. Um, 
So obviously they need to go out and either find in free agency or make a trade somewhere. Um, you know who would be a great second line center though? Who? Ryan O'Reilly. Oh, <laughs> uh, I knew you were gonna go there. You know, then that's let's face it—they're missing a player of Ryan O'Reilly's caliber, and and that's what Skinner's missing too. Skinner's missing that guy that he could have on that second line if that's where you're gonna put him. If you're gonna put him on that second line, you need to get him a guy that can get him the puck. And just let him work his magic. And he doesn't have that right now either. You know, yes, Eichel was that guy. Eichel was the guy that could move the puck and push the puck up up the ice. Um, and he was a guy that could keep up and skate with Skinner. Because Skinner's got a little bit more speed than the rest of the guys on this team. But um, they need to go out and get a guy that can match that speed. Uh, and that, that, can, that can find Skinner in the open, open spaces on the ice. And get him the puck and just let him do his thing. Man, I wish they would just keep him with Eichel. Yeah, I I don't know. Like like I said before, man, they. You look at the the the, the big teams out there, right? You look at the teams that have won cups in the last few years, right? Look at a team like Pittsburgh. They've had Crosby and Malkin for how long? You know, they they haven't had Crosby and Malkin on the same line, other than maybe on the power play line, uh, very often. Um, same thing in. Uh, Washington with with Ovechkin and Backstrom, they haven't had them on the same line very often. Maybe again on the power play, um, and same thing with with Chicago. How long has Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves played together, and they're never on the same line? Maybe a little bit more now. It's they're, they're starting to age and they're starting to become the older guys on the team. Um, but in their young in their career, when they were both scoring machines, they never were on the same line together. And I'm okay with putting Skinner on that second line if you're going to give him something to skate with. you got to give him players to, to play with him. I'm okay with spreading out your scoring because, like we just said before, they've had they've lacked secondary scoring for how long? And really, that's what, you're look, that's what you're looking to do. You're looking to give them that secondary scoring on the second line and maybe moving some of those guys who would play on your second line down to your third line. So then you have three solid lines like what we've seen in the... Uh, Playoff teams of old with this team with this organization. Yeah, man, that just feels like so long ago. But with with, with Skinner, I think yeah, it would be great if you had two lines that could play well. And I have read some research out there that if, is it better to put two stars on the same line or is it better to spread them apart? And the, the conclusion a couple of years ago was that it's slightly better to have two two lines with with top players as opposed to putting them together so i hear you but it's not working like skinner whatever success he had with eichel like it worked he scored 40 goals like make that happen like get that player again whatever you got to do fine if you got to add add more players i think i'm in favor of keeping them together keep a working thing together the same as it's one of the few things in the organization as a whole that actually worked well keep it together right right no, I agree. You know, at this point, you need to keep what works together, and I get it, you know. But, look, Eichel and Reinhardt works, so you can't move Eichel and uh, Reinhardt. Reinhardt's going to struggle, too. I think no matter who you move to that second line right now, they're going to struggle. Yeah, they need uh, – they're definitely not just one player away. They are several players away, I think. So it's, whether that means – younger guys improve and make the jump or they bring people in like this team does not resemble any of the playoff teams 
that look that feel dangerous to you. And I think you saw that even even last night. Like they were they've played a team in Pittsburgh. That's a that's a playoff team. Like they're they're gonna be dangerous. And Pittsburgh, like they're not even at the top of the league, but they're they're a playoff team. And the Sabers, like yeah, you like you said, you watched the Condets game. They had some chances. Like they can compete with NHL teams, but they just don't threaten to win the game constantly. And it's just it it's clearly an inferior product, and it's gonna take a lot to get better, more than Wayne Simmons. Well, you know what? I think last night they looked like a team. That was playing against a playoff caliber team. And clearly, last night showed that the Sabres are just not a playoff caliber team. Yep, and it's getting, it's just frustrating. And we can, we, we have talked about the, the off-ice things that make it even more frustrating as a fan. But just strictly on the ice, through 67 games, they have 66 points. That's less than a point a game. They're 29, 30, and 8, which means they have have 29 wins and they've lost 38 times. Through 67 games every year, they've been 66 points this year, 69 last year, 53, 66, 63, and then some of the tank years here, 44, 46, 48. It's like this has been bad, but this is the new normal for them. It feels like this they have the longest playoff drought in the NHL, and not enough big changes have happened. I agree. They, they're, they're missing things, right? And we know they're missing players. Let me ask you this question. We know what they're missing, I think, up front. What do you think they're missing on the back end? I mean, obviously goaltending, and we'll talk about that too, but what do you think about, you know, are they missing out on defensemen? Are there yeah, maybe some defensemen you would like to see go? And, 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 um, and yeah. from... From that, Nick, what what defenseman that they have currently do you want to maybe see stay? All right. Um, I feel like I'm a little more positive on Ristolainen than most people are, and I know he's not has not become this, you know, a, a top player like people hoped. I think number one, he needs well, if he had a better partner, he would do better, which is maybe obvious. But I also think if he wasn't asked to play against the quality of competition he was if he was a little bit lower down the Sabres depth chart I think he would be fine and he gets a little unfairly criticized because he's maybe a little bit out of his depth I don't think he's a bad player he hasn't become what they hoped but um, in terms of wrist line I think it's all about what they can get in a trade for him if they can get something of of good value a player that they like if there's some a situation that team is looking to move on and they're going to take on somebody like him I wouldn't be opposed to that, but I'm not. I don't think he's he's so bad where you just give him away. Um, talk to me about Jake McCabe. He's a guy again where we sort of had higher expectations, and he hasn't totally met them. But I, I don't I don't mind what I see from Jake McCabe. I think it's similar where the team itself is so bad, and of course the defensemen are going to look bad on a bad team. I've been a big fan of Jake McCabe. I've been a big fan of his since college, um, when he was at Wisconsin. Um, I think he's again not maybe maybe not what we thought he was going to be, um, but I do think that he's a good leader. There's a reason why he wears that A on his chest, um, and I think he's kind of been the guy on this team that's been blamed for a lot. He has made some mistakes, absolutely, but you're. I feel like um, you know, as a hockey player, don't get me wrong, never played in the NHL. You know, I know it's a little different. But you know how that goes, Nick. When you're playing on with, with the same guy constantly, you know what they're doing. 
he's had so much changeover on that back end, I feel like, since he really came into the league, that he hasn't been able to build that with the same guy. The only guy that's been there almost as long as he has has been Ristolainen. And they don't play together. They're two, you know, one one guy's a top four, the other guy's a bottom four. But I do like McCabe. I think McCabe's a great locker room guy for this team, and he's what they need. Um, I'm also a big fan of, of, of Brandon Montour. I know he was kind of being brought up a little bit in trade talks earlier um, uh, during the trade deadline, but I, I don't think you can move him. Um, I, I think Brandon Montour, uh, Yoki Haru, Darlene, and McCabe are, 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 are your solid four defensemen. Maybe you put McCabe on... Um, you know, as your fifth or sixth defenseman, I'm fine with that. But I think McCabe has a spot on this team. The rest of them can go. I'm okay with 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 losing Colin Miller. I'm okay with losing um, uh, Ristolainen. That's fine. Those 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 two. See you later. Give Lawrence Pilot another chance up here. I think he's shown, especially last year when he was actually given the opportunity, um, he's shown he could play at this level. All he needs to do is just continue to play at a high level and, and given the opportunity to play at this level and not keep going up, down, up, down, up, down. Yeah, I think Lawrence Pilot is a guy who's got some skills that looks like they can translate to the NHL if he gets a legitimate chance to stay up and play with a good partner and, and he can be a contributor. I, I would like to see him more in the fold next year or even toward the end of this year. Rasmus Dahlin, he's 19, right? Like he's super talented, it's going to be a bit of a learning curve still. I I think the ceiling, the future is pretty bright for him. The ceiling is pretty high. Haven't seen, like he hasn't developed yet. Like Eichel was, was better as a young player than Dahlin, I think. But maybe that's just because of position. But I'm still very high on him. So they have like a halfway decent core. It's just like there's no standout players of this group yet. And hopefully Dahlin can become that. But it's like feels sort of similar to the forwards. It's like they have... You know, they have all these depth guys. It's like there's just no top-end guys, and it's like that's sort of alarming. Yeah, I agree. There's no top-end, um, you know, especially defensemen. There's no top-end defensemen. Yeah, they have Jack, and that's it. The only top-end defenseman that I would really sit here and name is uh, um, Darlene, and he's still not fully developed yet. He's got a long way to go. Yeah, but he, um, he's a hope hope to be top end later. He's still I don't think he's not there yet. Right. Right. So but I mean literally in the entire roster it's it's Jack, period. And then there's a really large gap and then you're starting to fill in Reinhardt, Skinner, like people you hope are like gonna be up there. And Let me then, ask you this. Who who do you who who are your guys on this team um going into the draft and going into the offseason? Who are the guys that you don't want to see go? I, I, I guess, who's your core? What do you look at as your core of this team right now? Um, I mean, I guess that depends how deep you want to get into it, but, I mean, we'll just go top to bottom here. Like, Eichel Skinner, for sure. How okay. you feeling about Oposa? I could live without him. But yeah, I feel the same way. You're not going to move him because of his contract. No yeah, one's going to take that sucks. contract for a guy that's been, you know, underperforming the way that he has. Yeah, they gotta find a way to get more out of him. He's making, he's got six million coming. Like, that's a lot of money for a guy who's not really scoring at all or doing anything that looks like competitive playoff hockey. How do you feel about uh, Reinhardt? 
I like Reinhardt still. I, I know he's he hasn't been what they hoped he what we hoped he could be when he drafted him that high, but I think he's got more to his game still. He's still only 24, which is a little bit older in hockey years, but I think there's still more hockey ahead of him. I would I would listen to trades for him if it was something good, but I think it would have to be pretty substantial. I'm not ready to give up on him. He's an RFA this year, so you know last year they they had to go to or get pretty close to arbitration with him. Um, before they brought him back. But I'd like to see them avoid that again. Maybe give him that bridge contract that we've been calling for for him for a couple years and give him that bridge contract and give him maybe a three-year deal and see what he can perform. At that point, he'll be 27 years old at the end of the contract. And you can either have a fairly good veteran on your team at 27. Not that you know I feel like 27 is really a veteran, but he'll be in the league for almost 10 years at that point. Um or you'll, or you'll have a guy that maybe in the last year of his contract is good enough to maybe trade and, and, and get some younger players in there. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's got 50 points this season on a bad team. Like, right. that's not that's not terrible. Like, that's not you're, – you're not like, oh, my gosh, he's so disappointing. You know, like you're thinking Oposo's got nine goals this year. Like, what the heck? Like, Reinhardt's got 22 goals and 28 assists. Like, that's that's pretty good. And you're hoping that there's more in there still. But that's not that's not bad. I'm not I'm not looking to get away from that guy. I kind of he knows your system. He fits here. He seems to get along well enough with Jack. Like that's a guy that I think the Sabers should keep. What do you think, um, Olafson? Olafson. I mean, he's one of. I I feel like he's one he's one of the, their smallest contracts on the team. I don't if you're. I don't want to get into contract stuff here. Just as a player, like I kind of like what I see, but he's a guy. He's not. You're not like he's not a first line, maybe even not a second line guy. It's like on a good team, he's a guy who's on the third line who pops in some goals because you have enough depth to put him there. So I don't know if like for too long the Sabers have been like, oh that guy, he had a flash. Maybe he can be a second line winger. And it's like, is he really? Do you really trust him for that? So I think it depends on the role that Sabres see for him, but I do think he there's something there that you might want to keep in the right spot. Uh, let's talk about goaltending because, let's face it, man, goaltending this year has been terrible. All right, listen, I, I have a stat up here for you. Let me, let me ask you, and you have the link, so don't look. The Sabres have not made the playoffs um, in coming up on a decade here. 2011-2012 was their first year missing the playoffs. It's the longest drought in the NHL. Tell me. What goaltender who started at least five games in a season put up the best save percentage of any goalie over the drought? Started at least five games in the season? Yeah, just to like take out guys that had like one or two starts. So what goalie had the best season over the drought by save percentage? And I'll give you a hint, it's not Ryan Miller. First of all, wow, it's not Ryan Miller's. Uh, okay. Uh, He's very close, but it's not him. Was it Lindbach? Dude, that's a phenomenal guess. It was Anders Lindbach. I, 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 was, I was kind of a fan of his. I mean, I, I didn't not like him. I was totally shocked when I saw that. I just, like, yeah, he, I mean, he was he was fine, but he's, like, you know, in the heap of forgettable Sabres goalies, I feel like. But, yeah, 924 save percentage in 2014-15. Uh, he was a fraction of a point better than Robin Leonard in 2015-16, and then Ryan Miller had a 923. 
Also, Anders Nilsson had a 923. Um, if we scroll all the way to the bottom, here's this year's goalies. <laughs> we got Carter Hutton, who's uh, a, a fan favorite of people who like betting the over on hockey games. Carter Hutton, 898. Uh, Johansson, 894. That is pretty brutal. Only 2017-2018 Chad Johnson was worse than that at 891. But, I mean, man, when you're talking about save percentages, it's starting with eight. Like, that's just, that's horrible. That, that's a major red flag. Um, what You got any thoughts on this? Like, what what's going wrong? Is it the team around them? Is it the goalies themselves? Like, Allmark was up at 914 earlier this year. Like, what are you thinking here? You know, I think that the team uh, – Let's start with with Jonas Johansson, right? I think a lot of it is because he's a young goalie. He kind of got thrusted into the situation. I don't think he was ready yet to come into the NHL. But I do think that he's held his own. Last night's game especially, he made some big saves and and really kept the game from getting out of hand. Um, So I don't don't think he's bad. I think he has a pretty good future ahead of him. I think we'll be seeing him backing up uh, whoever is the goalie next year. Uh, on this team, I don't know if it's going to be Allmark or not. Uh, he's another guy that I believe he's a he's an RFA this year. At the end of the season, is Allmark. Um, obviously, I'm not a fan of Carter Hutton. You know, I in my opinion, and I know we had this talk uh, over text earlier this week. Carter Hutton is one of those guys, in my opinion, has been the worst goalie in all of the drought. You know, I know you said Chad Johnson was bad, but. Um, it's funny you mentioned Chad Johnson because if you sort this list by goals against average instead of save percentage, and I kind of like save percentage because goals against is a little bit more of a team stat. Mm-hmm. All right, best goals against average of any goalie over the drought in one single season. Chad Johnson, 236, which is which is good in 2015-16. The very next year, 20, or I'm sorry, two years later, 2017-2018, and the bottom, Chad Johnson, 355, horrible. Yeah. Like, the, uh, like you're right. He did have, like, a good stretch there. And then there's, like, whew, nosedive, like, peak, you know, feeling like the they're never going to make the playoffs again. Like, to Chad uh, Ochocinco Johnson, like, tweeted him, like, back in the day. Like, that was, that was like, the only positive thing I ever think about of Chad Johnson is, like, the football player Chad Johnson tweeted at him. The fact that the football player Chad Johnson knew who the hockey player Chad Johnson was just blew my mind. <laughs> knew who the Buffalo Sabres were, yeah. You know, I, I... Did this team make a big mistake getting rid of Miller when they did? I understand that they were tanking. Like, I understand the thought process behind it. But was it worth it to get rid of possibly your best goalie since Dominic Hasek? If you look at it through the lens of they wanted to have a successful tank, then yeah. Okay, now look at it through the end through the lens of your team hasn't made the playoffs in how many years? In almost a decade. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, I don't know that that's necessarily just because they don't have a good, as good of a goalie, but. Um... I mean, Miller was like a fan favorite guy, but it, was, it felt like it was sort of time to, to move on when they did. He was, um, I mean, save percentage, 916, 916, 915 his last couple of years in Buffalo. Uh, they traded him, traded him to St. Louis. Like, I don't know. I never, I haven't wait, spent too much time like dwelling on the Ryan Miller deal. No, 
I, I, I was a big Ryan Miller fan, and I think a lot of oh, yeah, of course, of course, know, our age, you know, fans our age were Ryan Miller fans. Um, you know, as as I sit here talk to you, I I look at to my right, and I have my autographed Ryan Miller uh, framed picture hanging up right next to me. But again, I understand. Right, it worked with the tank. I don't think you needed to move Ryan Miller to tank and to be that bad. I don't. Um, but that's just my opinion. I think that team that year, once once you got rid of Vanek and everyone else and Pominville and you know you started cleaning house, um, you you were well on your way to tanking. You had no goal scoring, and um, you know I don't know if you know this, Nick, but in the game of hockey, you can't win games if you don't score goals. And when you trade away all uh, your goal scoring, you you that, could you could go all the way to a shootout and then score goals. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I, but I don't think that team, once they got rid of everybody, uh, minus Miller, was good enough to make it even that far. <laughs> All right, but what would Sabres history be if they never acquired Steve Ott and they never had the video of him licking someone else's visor? <laughs> that was probably one of my favorite <laughs> Sabres moments. <laughs> what would the Sabres history be without the, you know, the, they had to get out in the Miller trade? That's true. You know... <laughs> when you say it that way, I guess it was a fine trade. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so I mean, I don't know. It was. It felt to me just it was. It was time to like move on from him. Like he was. I mean, I don't know if you want to get into like the personal side. Like, would Ryan Miller have like put up with a tank? Like he was a quiet guy, but he was fiery when he was pissed off. And like, would would he have? I don't know if he was the guy you wanted in the room, given that you were planning on tanking. No. I feel like you you're trying to tell me Carter Hutton is the worst goal the Sabres have had over the drought. Is that is that how you feel about this? Yes. Oh, absolutely. I think Carter Hutton is the worst goal they've had over the drought, if not the worst goal that the team has ever had. Ever? Wow. All right. Talk to me. I'm just going to name some names here. What do you remember about Matt Hackett? Matt Hackett. Uh, you know, I know he was a a Rochester guy. Um, yeah, you know, I don't know to remember too much about his numbers, but I. Again, I don't think he was as bad as Carter Hutton. Uh, he only played twelve or started twelve games for the Sabers. His save percentage was under nine hundred. That was pretty bad. Yes, but um, but if you're, you're going to talk about your goals against, um, his goals against were uh, three point one. And if we're looking at Carter Hutton this year, he's at three point one eight, which brings him down to the lowest three over that time span. Uh, for goals against, goals against. I'm seeing three point one Hackett for, was... Hack, for uh, Hutton, three point one zero for Hackett. Oh, is that for a single year or a whole career? Uh, that is for the single year for 2013-14 um, for Hackett. Okay, I'm looking, and I'm talking about yeah, specifically 20... this year with 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 Hutton. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, I know Hackett. His entire career with the Sabers, he had a three fifty five goals against. He, I don't know. I didn't haven't thought about his name basically since 2015, but. Um, how about Nathan Lewin, Michael Neuverth, any of those guys? Michael Neuverth, I remember your, uh, because I, I was kind of shocked that they didn't bring him back. I thought he had some upside. I know they got him from um, Washington. Um, I thought he had some upside coming in as, as a young goalie. I know they decided to part ways with him. Um, he didn't win much with with the team anyway but again I thought he was just a young guy in a bad situation with a bad team yeah um 
But it, it's funny. Then then you look at the other end, right? You look at what the team has done on the other end and, and, and bringing in a young guy like a Ukapeka Lukanen, who I just love the name, by the way. And I really hope UPL. he gets a chance to the NHL. Um, but he's six foot five. So you, so you look at again where where this team has gone since getting rid of a guy like uh, uh, like Ryan Miller and Enroth, you know, and they they've gotten height. And I think this GM is a big fan of height and net because um, you look at their goalies now. I mean, both of them are over six foot. Both of them have some height. You know, I think part of Carter Hutton's problem now is that he's just old. You know, not that 34 is old. I'm going to be 30 this year, so I, I got to be careful what I say about being old. <laughs> um, but in hockey terms, I, I, I think he's just he's just, just getting old. Um, you know, Carter Hutton's six foot one, and, and I believe Allmark is you know, Allmark's six foot four. So this is a GM that likes his goalies with a little bit of height. And, and obviously, you know, you look at the prospects <clears throat> that are coming up with, with uh, Jonas Johansson, um, who, who himself is, you know, six foot five. And then you got Uka Pekka Lukanen, who's six foot five. I feel like that's the way this league is going with taller goaltenders in net to cover up more net, um, you know, and, and be able to get across the crease a little bit uh, quicker as well and get that, those long legs across the crease. Gotcha. All right, we need to uh, start wrapping this up here. So we're going to let's look ahead to the future. The Sabers have a dozen or so games left. They're they're not making the playoffs. What are you looking forward to the rest of the year? What do you want to see? And really, um, the main point here is what do you, what, what does this mean for Jason Botterell? What do we think about his future? I think he's gone at the end of the year. Um, the only way that I see him not being gone is if they use this coaching staff as a scapegoat. Um, I don't think Bottle's done enough to put a winning team on the ice, you know, during his time here. I think he got a little bit screwed as a rookie GM as well. Um, he wasn't able to go and, uh, you know, he, he has no one over him holding him responsible. And, you know, something that I think we're going to get into on our next podcast is going to be, um, you know, talking about ownership and kind of the difference in the ownership um, and, and and why they're on one one end of it um, really involved in one team and don't seem to be as involved in another team. Um, but I, I, I think this is a GM that just has seen better days and, uh, you know, I wish him well on his future endeavors. What would it take for to change your mind? Could, it, could anything change your mind over the rest of the season to make him stay? No, because, I mean, at this point, trade, trade deadline's gone. And I feel like that was his last big, you know, hurrah. Last big chance to bring someone in that's going to do do anything and um, and be able to to be, um, you know, a, comp- a competing team. You know, you had the chance earlier this year, in my opinion, when your team was on a winning streak and in first place in the league to go out there and do something, make a move and keep your team up in first place and te- keep them looking good. Talking about like October, November. Yeah, you go at that point. Let's face it. I think all of us knew, right at that point, that okay, here we are again, going on this win streak. We're in first place in the league. Let's let's not mess this up again. And as a GM, I think you need to take a a, a real hard, strong look at your team and say, okay, maybe my young core is going to be able to produce and do something. I need to go and provide them some help. 
And he was not able to go and do that. And I understand some of that's on the salary cap. And some of that salary cap problems that he's having is because of uh, Tim Murray and the issues that they had before. And he hasn't been able to fix that salary cap issue um, much. You know, I, I believe this year when all is said and done at the end of the year and they pay out their bonuses to all the young players, they're going to be over the cap and they're going to have to pay a fine for that. But I'm okay with paying a fine to my younger players that are going out and um, hitting those um, those marks to be able to receive those bonuses. I'm okay with that. What I'm not okay with is getting players in here like a Marcus Johansson and overpaying players like a Marcus Johansson who um, is, is, is just drastically overpaid on this team. Um, I, I haven't seen much from him this year that makes me think that he deserves a $5 million salary. Sorry. He has 28 points. What has he done to deserve his five, $5 million salary that he gets from this team? Can't tell you that, but I, th- I did think it was interesting. How many times this year did you see tweets from like national hockey reporters? Jason Bottrell's trying to make trades, but the market just isn't there. And it almost, like after a while, it's like, it feels like the information's coming from Bottrell, who's telling these guys, yeah, I just, you know, can't seem to make trades. I don't know what's happening. And it, it just seems seems weird to me. Did you notice that at all? Yeah, you know, it's kind of like the, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to find a good comparison for this, but it's kind of like the, um, oh, I tried to do my homework, but I didn't understand it type of thing, right? Um, where he, he says that he tried, and you, you didn't really try to do your homework, you just didn't want to do it. Um, and I felt like it's kind of the same thing. He, he says that he tried to do this and make some trades and make some moves but no one wanted to trade I don't believe it for a second I don't know how much of that was held over him by ownership and they said hey you can't make this move we're already too strong against the cap or how much of that was strictly on him as a poor GM and and, and maybe overvaluing some of his players um I think he overvalues Erasmus Ristolainen. Yep, the fan base is, you know, there are major signs this year that they are tired of it. I saw a tweet from the Sports Business Journal that TV ratings are down for the Sabres games 19% this year, which is massive. And Buffalo, Buffalo watches sports at an incredible rate. And somehow, somehow, even down 19%, this was still the highest in the country for local market games. Because no matter no matter how bad our teams are, man, we can't shut off the damn TV. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so, it's so cold out, man. You gotta stay inside and watch, I guess. Right. But uh, you know, even any sport, Buffalo always ranks well in the ratings. But the point is, something's got to happen here. And I'm almost looking forward. I'm really looking forward to July 1st because that's uh, when the UFA day, as I like to call it, just the season opens. You can sign free agents, and that has. In the last few years, that's been a lot more entertaining than the actual trade deadline. So, I don't know. It looks pretty bleak right now. There's not a lot to to hope on. Definitely not this season, and things need to happen big time this off season. So, I'm hoping for I'm hoping July is a good month. Yeah, you know, I'm hoping that they go out and you know they they do everything possible to turn the team into a winner because you know I I tweeted it today or yesterday at somebody but I'm, I'm i am i'm getting tired of seeing people that you know like i said before the keyboard gms that want to complain about absolutely everything right 
there's things worth complaining about. What about the microphone GMs? The microphone G, those both of them. I see the ones on Twitter. I don't listen to the radio. I'm talking about us. Yeah, yeah. Well, us too, right? Yes, we're up there. But I, I look at the guys on Twitter that I see complain, and it's always the same guys, and I get it. Everyone wants to boycott the Sabres. Look at last night's game. It was a perfect example. That sounded like a home game for Pittsburgh. You know, we know people aren't going to watch the games in person anymore. They're not going to spend the money. And then you got the ticket um, raise uh, going into next season. I think that's going to be another issue that, that we've already seen people complaining about. But I'm tired of people finding everything to complain about. And I, I feel like at some point, ownership's going to have to hold Byron accountable and say, look, this is because of you. This is because um, maybe, he, maybe he just wasn't ready. He was thrown into the fire as a young GM, as a rookie GM, who came from a winning culture and was not able to bring that culture here. He's gone through his fair share of coaches as well. And I understand, like I said before, that Tim Murray really messed up this team um, you know, worse than I think what we really believed he did. Um, but that, that's come full circle this year. But I don't think that having Jason Botterill here next year helps you. And I think you need to go out and get a, a president of hockey operations, someone to hold your next GM accountable. But they need to go out and make a change. And long story short, they need to go make a change and then they start with the GM. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe. We're on iTunes, Spotify, and now on the Google Play Store as well. You can also follow us on Twitter at the underscore process pod. We got a lot more coming your way. So thank you for listening, and remember to always trust the process.